Good afternoon, my friends. The doctor's in the house. Welcome back to another episode of To Your Health with Dr. G. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to bring you guys back in studio live today on a great day. It's kind of cold outside on this Wednesday, but that's all right. We're still here bringing the thunder. Again, it's all about building trust and delivering truth. So welcome back to another episode of To Your Health with Dr. G. My name is Dr. Mark Gomez. I'm a board-certified internal medicine physician. I'm also a member of the American College of Lifestyle Medicine. And I am excited today. I have to give a quick shout-out to my wife, Tiffany Gomez. Today is our 70th episode of To Your Health with Dr. G. I'm so excited. And I tell you what, those of you that have been out there supporting us during this whole time, I have immense gratitude. And I tell you what, we're going to do 70 more. We're just going to keep this going on. This health journey has to continue. This revolution, inspiring lives, inspiring better health, and having people live their life to the best of their ability with their family and loved ones. And today's show is not any different. We're going to bring you today a sports medicine update, something that I feel passionate about. You know, I see a lot of patients in my practice every day that are engaging in physical activity, a lot of people competing at a high level. I've had former professional athletes that are current members of my practice. And so it's so great to talk about something that we can all relate to, the competition of sport, that competitive aspect, us trying to, trying to really push the human body to push our health to to, to higher dimensions and more engagement because again, what we put into our health is what we're gonna get out of it. And again, as you have success with your health, you're gonna have more opportunities for success in your life. So we're joining here live here at Intellectual Radio Studios. Again, my name is Dr. Mark Gomez. We are uh, checking me out on my website, www.drmarkgomez.com. Today, Sports Medicine Update. I'm so excited to get 70 shows. I can't wait to keep it going on. So, you know, we all talk about sports. We love sports. I'm going to talk about my favorite sports. We're going to meet my panelists and everything, too. But what I want to do today is I want you guys to share this message. You know, we all want to share, you know, all my guests that I've ever had on my show care about your health and your well-being. We want you to do well with everything that you're doing. Again, we talk about moving more, eating better, stressing less, getting sleep, things that are foundational to what we want to do to be well, to engage in our lives, to really be intentional and to serve that higher purpose, again, having higher purpose and perspective in your life, with your health, make no mistake, it's a foundation for everything that we do. So I'm excited to welcome you guys back today. What I want to do, of course, those of you that are new to us, what I do each week is I interview my guests, I, wel I welcome experts, clinicians that are in the field day in and day out, but anybody who's passionate about health, I think there's a good platform to talk about this. And so I want people out there to, to really heed the words that they're saying. But again, today we can all relate to this concept of sports medicine updates. So we're going to talk about the latest and greatest that's out there. We're going to talk a little bit about some of the training techniques. We're going to talk about really three broad kind of topics. We'll get more specific. We'll talk about preparation. What, is, what does it take to compete? We'll talk about what you need to be doing when you're in performance at in-game uh, scenarios. And then, of course, recovery. So we're going to frame our discussion around those kind of themes. So but before we meet our guests, I am going to read a quick disclaimer. Here we go. The content of To Your Health with Dr. G is for informational and entertainment purposes only, and that the content is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, and or treatment. Further details can be found at www.toyourhealthwithdrg.com slash disclaimer. So I was saying earlier, those of you that are, that are new to us, we interview, we talk about a topic, spread the message. Those of you that have been joining us for these 70 episodes now, thank you again and stay with us. This journey continues. So what I want to do today is I'm going to introduce my guests. And uh, the, uh, these two individuals are just awesome people. They've taken care of my patients. And if I ever get into a bind, personally, I know who I'm going to go see myself. And so I want to make sure, again, we have the right people on. And then these two experts today, they really care about your health and your well-being, so don't forget that. You know, we want you all to do well with everything that you're doing. So uh, before I introduce my guests, I just want to give you a quick background why I came with this idea of the show. 
Uh, I put it out on Facebook a few months ago that I was trading for a 5K. I had my 5K done last month. I succeeded. Uh, I'm not going to tell you what place I got in men <laughs> age 40 to 45, but uh, I will say you this, tell you this. I did not finish first place, and nor did I finish last place. So there you go. There you it's go. all good. But again, I had this idea a few months ago as I was trading for a 5K, and I said, you know what? Let's talk about it. I can give you some of my personal insight of what I've done to help train uh, uh, for everything and also recovery. So I cannot wait to talk about this with people that are in the field. So without further ado, I want to introduce my guest. My first guest. Uh, he and I go back go back together. We work together with Edward Elmhurst. He's an expert in his craft. I want to introduce you to him. I want to read his credentials because his credentials run deep. All right. My good my first first guest, my good friend, Dr. Henry Legaspi. Dr. Legaspi is a board-certified physical medicine and rehabilitation physician. He's with Elmhurst Neurosciences Institute. Check him out, www.eehealth.org. Dr. Legaspi, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Hey, I'm so excited. Please tell us a little bit about your background. Where did you do your medical school? Where did you do your training? And maybe a few opening remarks on what this theme today means to you. Sure. So I, I did my um, medical school training at Midwestern University in Downers Grove. Uh, I did residency in physical medicine and rehabilitation at Loyola University Medical Center. Um, you know, the field of physical medicine and rehabilitation is basically keeping people as functional as possible, despite some sort of disability or impairment. So, you know, when you take those principles and you take them to sports medicine, basically what you're doing is you're trying to optimize somebody's physical health and fitness so that the athletes stay on the field and stay safe. Excellent. Well, thank you, Dr. Legaspi. It's been great. It's great to have you here today. I cannot wait to get more detailed into some discussions so we can get some really good tips out there for people listening to us today. My next guest, she and I go way back many years. Good friend of mine has taken care of a ton of my patients. She's been on To Your Health with Dr. Chi before, and I'm so glad to welcome her back. My really good friend. Let me read her. You read the credentials. Dr. Tiffany Crutcher. Dr. Tiffany Crutcher is a clinic director. She's with ATI Physical Therapy. Check her out at www.atipt.com. Dr. Tiffany Crutcher, welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me. Hey, uh, so, hey, this is, you know, we, we're going to do this. We're going to do this regardless. You know, last Absolutely. time we connected, I was like, okay, we're going to do this again. So I'm so glad to, glad to welcome you back and, and really you. talk about a topic that you were so passionate about mm -hmm. as you take care of so many patients from just the weekend warriors to the professional athletes to somebody who just wants to get started with physical activity. Mm -hmm. You see it all. So I'm excited to welcome you back. Tell us a little bit about your training. Where did you do your PT school, some of your advanced training, and a few words today about uh, what this theme means to you. Okay, sounds good. Um, I did my PT training. I got my doctorate in physical therapy at Northwestern. Um, what kind of brought me to this field, though, was I was a college athlete, um, seeing a lot of my teammates get injured and things of that nature and watching their recovery process. Um, I was really intrigued by watching them, um, seeing how they could go from an injury and actually they were better athletes when they were done with this process, so going through rehab and things like that. Um, so that's really what brought me to the field. Excellent. Well, thank you, Tiffany, for coming on today. I want to really continue to pick your brain. Again, it's all about having people that are in the trenches. And I'm in the trenches myself, but, you know, I, I recognize where my limitations are as a primary care physician. But I can talk about a lot of different things, but, but when you have people that are in the field working with people to get them to perform better, to function better. It's great to pick their brain for some insights. At the end of the day, of course, you know, we want you to see these individuals, you know, so if something comes up, you know, and if you're local, you know, in Illinois, yes, we want you to see Dr. Legassi, we want you to see, to see Dr. Crutcher on, on things that they're, they're, they're trained to do and passionate about doing it. At the end of the day, we all want people to move forward and we want them to move backwards with their health. So the chief complaint, you know, the chief complaint is when somebody comes into your office, 
and they tell you what they're there for, a.k.a. the question of the hour. We do this every week on t with Dr. G. Here it is. From professional athletes to weekend warriors, people who love the spirit of competition want to perform at their best. What are the best strategies to improve sports performance? And again, we're framing this today from preparation, uh, performance as far as in-game routines, and then, of course, recovery. And those are very broad topics, and we can get more specific as well. But again, we want to frame that conversation around this. We want you at home to have some good ideas to go. And again, if something comes up, further questions come up, please talk to your physician, talk to your clinician, reach out to experts and everything that you have. But again, we want to make sure this conversation keeps going forward. We're going to move together, without a doubt. So let me ask this question to Dr. Gatsby. First and foremost, why don't we do this? Why don't we talk about, just give us an idea, you know, a lot of people don't, a lot of people don't know what a, what a physiatrist is, physical medicine rehabilitation. Can you tell us a little bit more about uh, that field, just to kind of establish the baseline of the foundation of what you do for so many patients? Sure, yeah, so yeah, a lot of people are confused as to what physical medicine rehabilitation is and what we have to offer. You know, uh, the reason why I got into this field is because, you know, you had patients who had some sort of chronic illness, maybe they were in the hospital, and, you know, they were just kind of languishing for a, sometimes days, sometimes weeks. And then, you know, from medically, they're all tuned up, so to speak. But then they're so deconditioned that they can't do the things that they need to do to take care of themselves or to be a productive member of society. And that's the whole point of physical medicine and rehabilitation. Again, you know, you, you, you kind of extrapolate that to sports medicine to keep athletes on the field and keep them healthy. Absolutely, absolutely. And then, and then, and then Tiffany, why don't you tell us a little bit about from your role and, again, what you're doing. I, again, just to set the foundation, a lot of people have heard the term of physical therapy, mm -hmm. but people may not necessarily know what it is and how it fits. But can you give us a quick overview of what, uh, just kind of broad sense of what physical therapy is and what your goals are? Absolutely. So physical therapy is basically like the study of human movement and rehab. Um, the idea is that if someone has any sort of illness, injury, surgery, things of that nature, um, they are to come see us and we are able to help them physically get back to whether it's something as simple as being able to get out of a chair um, or an athlete trying to return to sport. Um, we try to give our patients the tools um, to get their body back in optimal health and optimal um, physical conditioning. Excellent. You know, for me, as a primary care doc, you know, I want people, and I've talked about this before on the show, you know, I want people to move to the best of their ability. And when you're talking about physical activity, whether you're a weekend warrior or a professional athlete or a former professional athlete, like many of those in my practice uh, at all levels of sport, uh, you know, we, we, we have a higher goal, you know, obviously the spirit of competition, you want to win, and, and we're, you know, a coach to that, but, but sport teaches you a lot about life, and, you know, teach you about teamwork, teach you about discipline, uh, consistency, and there's so many things that have to go right uh, to compete at a high level, and I think about it for you, Tiffany, you know, you, you compete at a high level in college basketball, you know, you know, you can't just take shortcuts to get to that level. A lot of times in life, we... Uh, uh, see a lot of patients in our practice, our clients, uh, that want the fast answers to, to some of their medical ailments, but it doesn't necessarily work out like that. Mm -hmm. You know, certainly if somebody's got certain conditions where it's like, okay, you got a broken bone, and that might require a surgical fix, you know, that's that's something, that's it, but there's a whole rehabilitative course after that. And, and so so we don't want to shortcut, we don't want to shortcut anything. Mm -hmm. so, so let me ask a question to Dr. Legaspi. Dr. Legaspi, you know, when you think about, you know, what people need to do, you know, we're talking in this context of physical activity, uh, what, 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 how do we get, well, let me just say it like this, how do we get more people to just make physical activity personal? You don't have to have this, you don't have to do what everybody else do, but how do you make it personal? Well, I mean, I think that, well, for starters, when we talk to people, we need to meet them where, where they're at. Okay. But the other thing is, you know, we've, we've got this thing 
if people do this thing, they live longer. Their blood pressure is controlled. They don't have strokes. They, you know, exactly. they have diabetes. It's controlled, and it's called exercise. Yeah. So if you can harness that, um, you know, in, in a way that a patient likes to exercise, then you will literally make them live longer and have a better quality of life. I like that word, live longer, longevity. I love that, and it's absolutely true that the data shows when you're doing things that you're doing. Uh, you know, and have success with being more physically active. Yes, your chance of diabetes, if you, if you don't have diabetes, your chance of getting it goes down. If you have diabetes, your numbers get better. Chance of heart disease goes down. If you have high blood pressure, your blood pressure comes down. So there's so many health benefits, but also just, I think, like even just like some of the other benefits, you know, vitality, energy, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, uh, not only will you be living longer, you'll be stronger, you'll feel more energy. And then you'll even have even a, an aesthetic look. Why not talk about that a little bit? There's a little bit of aesthetics when it comes to physically, uh, physical fitness and everything, um, but also engaging more quality of life. And I always say, like, people that are doing a lot of exercise, they're able to, um, they, they, when they discipline, and I want to pick your brain on the sec- in a second on because I got this question for you, Tiffany, but, um, but not only discipline, because everything else has to fall in line. So, you know, your nutrition's got to fall in line. So other, other sleep's got to fall in line. So other aspects of your life fall in line to be able to perform. So let me ask you this question, Tiffany. When you were competing and in, in, when you were a college basketball player, what was kind of your mindset? Is there something like you would have known now, I mean, back then, that you know now, <laughs> that you could have used back then during your competition days? Um, absolutely. Um, definitely better nutrition. Okay. And actually sleep. You know, um, just being in college and stuff like that, like, you're not worried about sleep, you're not worried about nutrition, you're going to fast food, things like that. I probably would have competed better if I slept more and ate a whole lot better. Um, and I think um, a lot of people, even just even outside of it, even now trying to exercise, like, you know, we never have time to sleep. Um, usually you're rushing to try to get something to eat. So definitely glad to know that more now. I mean, I was training. I had strength and conditioning coaches. You know, I'm practicing multiple times a day, but I probably would have been a better athlete if I had to control those two things a whole lot better. So, you know, we were talking we were talking before we got on, on air. Where I was talking with uh, Henry and, uh, and Tiffany about um, obligations. And, and certainly, since you, you're thinking of that mindset, if you're a 20-some-year-old kid and you're competing at a college basketball or, or, or high level, whatever kind of sport you're in, you know, you're still balancing that with school and all sorts mm-hmm. of kind of stuff. So there's a lot of obligations. It's something that's get cut. We all get the same 24 hours. It's a matter of what do we do during those 24 hours. A lot of us may have our 9 to 5 job, although there seems like there's no such thing as a 9 to 5 <laughs> to stay the same age. You're there from like 8 to 8. Uh, but And then some of us that are family members, that are parents, you know, we do, we do, uh take care of our kids and those that may have older parents living with them at home. Mm-hmm. So, so our obligations, our amount of obligations in that given 24-hour cycle, it seems like at this point in life is full of obligations more than any other point in life. It's so our amount of time that we have to focus on ourselves and that discretionary stuff mm-hmm. outside of work and family and that care and caregiving and child rearing or whatever, the amount of that discretionary time to focus on something like this tends to seem like it's going down. Mm-hmm. What's your take on that, Dr. Legaspi? It's like maybe like, because you think, I'm thinking about when you're, when you're working with patients and you're saying, okay, I need you to do this and this and this. And they might come back and say, well, I can't because I'm doing, I have this and this and this going on. How do you find some common ground or middle ground at all, especially when you know that it's going to take some more of an effort, I'm not going to say a Herculean effort, but it's going to take some effort to get them to improve. Right. You, you, you have to find some way to leverage them. Um, you know, for people who are, you know, primary caregivers or they have a lot of people depending on them, usually I actually try to leverage it by stressing on them the importance of taking care of themselves first. Because if they don't take care of themselves, how are they going to take care of other people? You know, how are they going to be, uh, you know, a good parent, good 
good husband, good wife, good spouse, good, you know, whatever occupation they have. Um, so usually I use that to, to try to get them to be healthier. Excellent. So, Tiffany, let, let me ask you this question. So, you know, we're talking about, it was interesting to come back to what you were saying a few moments ago about, and you wish you would have did this back then, you know, now. You know, we're talking about preparation. And that's one of the things I want to start out with as we're talking about today's conversation. You know, preparation, preparation, preparation. Uh, a lot of people, when you think of the word preparation, they think of time-consuming, time-consuming, time-consuming. How do we kind of get through that kind of barrier? Again, if you know someone needs to perform, and we're talking about the benefits of of activity, regardless of somebody at an elite level or at a beginner's level, mm -hmm. there's preparation involved. How do you just start having that conversation with somebody? Um, I know, just even just how you were saying before, though, um, just somebody to get try to get them moving at all. You don't have to have an hour of time to get going. Like you can have a few minutes here and there. Um, you can do a 10-minute something here, a 15-minute something. It's the, cumul the cumulative average throughout the day. So the thing is you pick and choose times when you can actually be a little bit more active, whether it's taking the stairs, whether it's when you're at your kid's practice, you walking the gym or the field or things like that. Um, the first thing, though, I would go if I'm trying to get prepared to do an activity is I want to try to have some good nutrition, and I want to make sure I get enough sleep so I have the energy to be able to actually even do that to get started. So Excellent. Dr. Yeah. Legaspi, what's your kind of take on, on preparation a little bit more? Um, you know, we're talking a little bit about lifestyle, um, nutrition, sleep. What other kind of uh, recommendations do you typically have for your patients as you're going to as, as you're gonna help guide them through a journey uh, to perform better? Well, I think... Uh, particularly the people who are trying to uh, start exercising, it's important to meet them where they're at. And, you know, part of it, too, is no shame, no blame. You know, let's say you were very active in high school and, you know, you may have fallen off the wayside a little bit. And, you know, patients think to themselves, how, how am I ever going to get back there? You know, no, just where you're at is where you're at. You know where you're trying to go, and then you break it down into incremental goals so that you can maintain your motivation. So, you know, one of the things I always tell my patients, and, and I think really as a role of a physician, you know, you are um, uh, certainly uh, a motivator. You are a coach. Uh, whether, you know, when we're talking about whether it's somebody's being framed in the discussion around high blood pressure or diabetes or whatever, you know, I always ask my, patient three, my patients three things. I go, what, the what, the why, and the how. So, again, what are you trying to do? Mm -hmm. And they can answer that. But why? I like to get to the why. Why are you trying to do it? What's what's your what, what's your motivation? What's what's that purpose? And then lastly, once we can get that, then how are we going to do it? How are we going to develop that plan? And I think that works really well. Whether it's whether it comes to like managing a medical condition, or certainly me uh, engaging somebody into wanting to do activity or performance or whatever. You know, I always have to ask those three questions. And I want people to be very, very introspective. Uh, uh, so then they can actually engage in that behavior. Uh, and again, it doesn't matter if somebody's a weekend warrior, uh, uh, a pro athlete, again, I have a number of former athletes in my practice, or somebody who's just starting from zero that wants to just lose weight and just move more. But at the end of the day, I always say, you gotta make it personal. Uh, what you're doing, what somebody else is doing, may be that person's plan, but it's not part of your plan. And so the preparation is huge. So I wanna expand on a couple of things. So you both mentioned sleep. Well, I know you said, but, but nutrition, what are the kind of other things are you guys talking about to patients in, as far as preparation? Do you see anything else that you're mentioning, general kind of lifestyle tips? Um, just how you were saying, like are you saying like the why, <laughs> why I'm actually doing this. Um, I also think it's good to have a pretty good knowledge base of, okay, yeah, maybe you were a superstar athlete in high school or college. You're not going to go out and kill it your first time getting out to the gym or to the field or whatever. Because then you're going to hurt yourself, and then that's going to kill your plan. So I think you need to prepare and have a good plan of what you're actually trying to do and 
what you plan to do, how to manage the pain, or how to gradually get back into something. So I think just knowing what you're going to do, talking to your physician about what you're actually healthy and able to do. It's not just somebody always that's going from nothing to something, or it could have been, like I said, a former athlete at a high level, and they're just trying to get back. So I think just kind of having a plan of what you're going to do and what your overall goal is. So. Let's talk about a little bit um, um, screening. And is there any kind of general thumbs? Some people are out there or maybe hearing our message today and say, you know what, I want to do something. I'm feeling motivated to do something. Where do I start or should I get screened or anything? What's your take on that, uh, Dr. Legaspi, on, on, you know, how should somebody start? Should they go through it? Should they start by seeing their doc to make sure they're first of all healthy enough to engage in something? Should they get some sort of formal screening, um, whether it's a, a movement screen, a functional movement screen, or injury screening, what's your take on that kind of stuff? You know, for patients who have uh, identified health conditions, it probably does make sense that they talk to their doctor. Let's say they have diabetes now. Well, you know, the more you do some sort of aerobic exercise, you may actually drop your sugar. So it's important to coordinate with your, uh, with your doctor if you have health issues that may arise when you're exercising. And so, Tiffany, what's your take on that one? You know, should people be getting some sort of a screening evaluation before they engage? Or, or would you say maybe it depends on the level of engagement that they're trying to get into as far as the level of, of activity? I do think it's a good rule of thumb to check in with your doctor and things like that. Um, I would say it does depend on the level of activity that they're doing, but also at the same time, if you have any sort of ailment, any sort of knee pain, back pain, if you have any sort of thing that are bothering you, you can go by almost any physical therapy place and they will do a complimentary screening on you just to make sure that you're not, you don't have an injury, you may just have some soreness. So I do think it's a good rule of thumb just to kind of follow up with a physical therapist. Every place does complimentary screening. So if there's any sort of injury, we can kind of tease that out and then you can go ahead and start on your journey. Well, that's, a, that's certainly the smart way to do it. And it's great to know that those kind of resources are out there for people. And so I challenge you, if you were trying to do something, yes, definitely uh, check out your local physical therapy facility and inquire about uh, free screening, as Tiffany just said. You know, it's interesting, that reminds me, you mentioned about the screening, reminds me, like, when you do those home videos, mm -hmm. and, like, it'll say warning at the beginning, and, like, you know, you're, like, just trying to fast forward, like, when, I get, when am I going to get to the main screen? And then it says, you know, please consult your doctor if you have neck pain, back pain, shoulder pain, whatever, do not do this thing. You know, that's obviously a big disclaimer at the end of the day, but, but there's actually some truth behind that, because the last thing you want to do is have somebody start out that wants to be intentional, and they get injured right away, and then now they're you're, you're back to the drawing board, and then they may not want to do any other kind of exercise thereafter. And that can be really tough to get somebody out of that. Mm -hmm. So I want to go back to something that I think is important, that when I'm telling my journey, uh, and when I came with the idea of the show, is that I wanted to do a 5K. And so I told my wife, I go, hey, I'm going to do a 5K. And she's been amazingly supportive. And my wife even got out there, uh, and there's some pictures on our Facebook page, uh, just check it out on my website, www.drmarcos.com, or check it out on Facebook. But there's uh, my wife engaged in the 5K as well, too. And uh, I would go out and say, all right, I got I to gotta come with a plan. So my preparation was, was sleep more because I know I got to eat more sleep. And I did a show a few weeks ago about sleep. I was like, I got to sleep more uh, because there's no doubt that the lack of sleep, you know, sleep and sports performance are so intertwined. They're so connected because the lack of sleep can adversely affect your ability to perform, whether it's from your immune system, stress levels. You know, you need to sleep to reduce some of those cortisol levels. You know, you need to now promote uh, 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 proteins 
that help out, that play a role in fighting infection and inflammation and helping the body deal with stress, we call those cytokines. And, and so, you know, we want to do that. We want to look at your, your musculoskeletal system. You know, we know that, that when you sleep better, your muscles feel better. Actually, sleep helps stimulate muscle growth. We want you to do that kind of stuff. And so, and there's a whole other things too. You know, we talk about bone health, you can talk about, I mean, the reality is sleep affects every organ system in the body. Uh, and so my personal journey was sleep, try to get more sleep. Uh, and then number two, I, um, I've been on this journey to, to change to more of a plant-based approach. And my wife and I have been really much in the game of doing more plant-based plant -based approaches. Great documentary out there, The Game Changers. Check it out on Netflix. Uh, it is a wonderful documentary where they have the best athletes in the world uh, that, that are plant-based. Really talk about uh, uh, the science, but also the performance activity. You know, there's a lot of myths out there that people say, oh my gosh, I just got to eat a ton of chicken and beef and all that kind of stuff to perform, and that's actually not true. And I encourage people to, to watch, this, watch the show themselves, and of course, come to your own, own conclusion, but there's no doubt that a plant-based approach, predominantly a plant-based approach, is very beneficial. But it's beneficial from, not only from performance, but it's also beneficial from a health standpoint. We've talked about it, something called the blue zones. People on Earth that live the longest, they are 95% plant-based, there's a fact. Check it out, blue zones. Anyways, so Dr. Legassi, let me ask you this question. You know. Uh, do you believe in like warm up stretching? You know, is there like and people ask you this all the time? Well, how long should I warm up for? How long should I stretch for? How do I do this? You know, when you get some of those common questions, what do you what do you say to that? Depends on your level of activity, really. Um, you know, warm up in particular for runners is very important, particularly dynamic stretching, mm -hmm. um, more than just passive stretching in order to you know get the blood flowing, make sure you know an injure commonly injured in areas like hamstrings. Is there is there a Achilles, difference? Is, is, can you explain a little bit what dynamic is versus more passive stretching? Yeah, passive stretching, you know, like kind of well, Tiffany can help me with this. Yeah, yeah but, you know, passive, passive stretching, yeah. you know, that would be like forward bending, touching your toes, that sort of the thing. The old school Versus, kind of stuff that we used to do yeah, back yeah, in the day yeah. as kids. Yeah, right, right. Versus, you know, toe touches and that sort of thing. Um, you know, much more uh, dynamic. That's a topic that comes up all of the time because yeah. everybody thinks you're supposed to, you know, do the whole touch your toes, you're supposed to, you know, bring your, stretch your quads, bring right. your foot to your butt, all that stuff. But the thing is, static stretching, what it does is it's trying to relax you and lengthen your muscles. But if you're getting ready to do an activity, you actually want to turn the muscles on. We don't want to inhibit your muscles. So I preach this all the time. Like You need to do a dynamic warm-up. You need to get the blood flowing. You need to get circulation going, things like that. You need to be warm because if you go cold, cold <laughs> you're going to hurt yourself. So, And I always I do say static stretching is good, but it's more towards the end of a workout versus the beginning of the workout, when you are trying to relax and you're trying to slow everything down, inhibit everything, that's when you do static stretching, not during the beginning. So, Excellent. Yeah. So, and, so, and I, I agree with that. That's kind of my take on things. So I want people to not just have a cold start on something, just mm -hmm. just, just get the body moving. And, and sometimes I got to go old school. You know, yes, you're dynamic stretching, but even things like just jumping jacks, you know, just some high leg raises, maybe a couple butt kicks if you can do that in place, um, something just to keep the body moving. Also, especially if you're trying to wake up in the morning, I don't want people to just like wake up at 5 a.m., just roll out of bed and just, and just start going outside. You know, get the body prepped. You just came out of sleep. You're probably still barely waking up. Like, get something going on there. So let's talk a little bit about preparation. Yeah, you know, I mean, we already did preparation, but let's look a little bit more like in-game performance. So say you're, say you're in the middle of an activity. I'm thinking of me. I did all this training to get ready for my 5K and everything, uh, and I'm in the middle of my 5K, and I'm like, Lord, help me. I need to stop right now. I'm just joking. I didn't say that. <laughs> but Lord, get me, make this race over. Again, I said I did not 
get first place and I did not get last place. I was somewhere in the middle. I'm like on the bell. I'm at a bell curve. You know what I'm saying? That's go. all good. Bell curves are great. You want to be just right in the middle. You're, you're just kind of, I'm just kind of an average person. So it's all good. So uh, so let me ask you this. So you're in the middle of performance, whatever activity it is. How do people? Let me ask this question. That Dr. Lee asked me. Um, fatigue sets in for a lot of people right away. How do people combat fatigue when they're doing an exercise or some kind of performance? While you're still doing the performance, are there any yeah. kind of things you tell your patients or your clients? That's that's tough. I mean, because really, when you know fatigue, uh, <laughs> once once you're already in it, uh, you know, I, certainly you can you can improve uh, your your activity level in the future. Some of it by preparing well in advance. You know, hydrating right and, yes. and eating correctly. Um, you know, other than uh, other than slowing down some, I, you know, once you're in in it, I don't know that there's much you can do to, uh, um, to uh, you know, get your energy levels back. What's your take on that one, <laughs> Tiffany? You know, I haven't well, played uh, at a high <laughs> level in college, but also still as you work with clients now, you know, whether in the game, you know, what are, what are you telling them? How they well, kind of get I always it? say that when you first feel fatigued, that's just your mind telling you that you're fatigued. Like, you just got to get your second wind. <laughs> I honestly <laughs> tell people, like, just push through. I mean, if you're not having any pain or things like that, like, it's just your body telling you that you're already tired. But really, if you keep pushing and you've prepared and you've trained for it, you're really okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> That's like me, you know, I'm in my 5K and I think I got the first, um, you know, 100 meters and I said, okay, all right, is my body ready, ready yeah. to cash out right now? I'm not ready to cash out just quite yet. Yeah. Uh, so, but you just kind of kind of block that out. And again, mm -hmm. and, and again, I come from a, a mindset where, you know, I'm more of like kind of the weekend warrior kind of thing uh, where I have a little more time flexibility in my schedule to do more things on the weekend. Uh, but yeah, when I go the full week and I haven't done much, it, it is, you know, I can notice that right away. Mm -hmm. But that's why I think for, for a lot of people, if you just start sleeping better, sleeping more, maybe eating better, staying hydrated, that might be the extra, um, extra boost that you need mm -hmm. to get you past those hurdles. So let me ask you this question. I'll come back to Tiffany with this one. What's your take on like on like uh, electrolyte drinks? Are you are you advising that kind of stuff to clients? When, when you were playing, mm -hmm. did the coaches like say, "All right, you're sitting on the bench," you know, after you got out of the game, came out timeout, and, you know, they say, "All right, drink up, hydrate, uh, electrolyte tabs, all that kind of stuff." Um, I don't know about all the tabs and things, but definitely hydration through water. I always tell all of my athletes, non-athletes, things like that. If you have an injury, whatever, I always say hydration is key. So I my rule of thumb is whatever your body weight is, half of that in ounces of water. Um, whether you're recovering from an injury, whether you are participating in an activity, you need to increase your fluid intake. Um, as far as like the electrolyte tabs and things like that, I think they're really only, and from my experience, they're only really appropriate for really, I mean, long distance runs. I mean, if you're marathons, the 10Ks, like I really, I haven't used them personally. I just know that um, I think people tend to overuse supplements and such like that. If your nutrition is good and your hydration is good, you don't really need all the extra tablets unless you are really putting your body through it like all these ultra the ultra marathons marathons mm -hmm. things like that then i can see you using that what's your take on that yeah. uh, dr legaspi well I, I agree i mean if you're doing activity for over an hour and it's uh, you know fairly intense vigorous activity then yeah i think it might make sense to do some sort of electrolyte replacement but for the vast majority of people you don't really need you know gels or tabs or anything like that and you're never going to go wrong with water 
sometimes it makes more sense to uh, to drink a sports drink rather than to uh, drink water. Like say if it's a hot summer day and you you know you've lost you lots of fluids and you probably lost a lot of electrolytes with it, then yeah, maybe it makes sense to to have a sports drink. But really, you're never gonna go wrong with water. I agree. I tell my patients, and I even do it myself. You know, despite you know a lot of the big companies putting ideas in our mind uh, about take this take this electrolyte tablet because this particular superstar is on our payroll kind of thing, you know, and that's the reality, so we get these images put in our mind, but I just say, you know, water, there's nothing wrong with water, you, you know, if you're doing it, if you're doing a, a five minute or eight minute Tabata workout or 10 minute exercise, you, know, you can still just do water, you don't have to necessarily, you know, some, and some of those things, no doubt, you're sweating, you know, sometimes people can sweat right away, there's no doubt, but, you know, you're fine with water, and just keeping that going, hydration um, is, is a great thing, but I don't think you have to necessarily do so. Uh, now, when I did my 5K, uh, you know, I'm only out there for 30 minutes, so I don't necessarily need to have a lot of electrolyte replacements. I mean, I did, did drink water during the course, but I'm not reaching for my, my energy gel or anything like right. that. For something. <laughs> if you're doing more extended performance, then maybe that's a game thing. Uh, um, but again, this is where I want people to, you know, you got to find out what, what where you're at. You know, we're talking from our, our experiences, but you got to go from your experiences and work with your medical team and your healthcare team to kind of find out what's going to be the best approach for you. So again, I want to make sure that thing going to make it personal for you. Um, so let me ask this question. I want to ask one more question related to why you're in the game, performance. Okay, uh, injuries happen. We know that's a fact. Uh, let me ask this question to Dr. Legaspi, then I'll, and I'll get Tiffany's take on this one. Uh, people sometimes perform, they get injured, they feel the pressure to continue to perform, uh, potentially provoking even worse injury, more injury. But how do you kind of get to that point where, where you say, you know, and, and, and I don't want to have the mentality where it's like, oh, well, everybody's playing hurt, everybody's playing hurt, so you just play hurt. Uh, uh, you know, but how do you know for people that want to be smart about it, how do you know when to, when to say, I can push through a little bit of discomfort, or I need to just say stop? Well, if you're having, you know, if you're having a lot of pain when you're doing some sort of essential task uh, to that specific sport, then yeah, you should probably stop. You know, and obviously for, for some things like concussion, you know, if you're getting evaluated and you're dizzy just trying to focus on something, you know, that person has clearly has to stop. Um, but, you know, like I said, if you're, if you're able to sort of push through and you're not causing too much discomfort, then maybe it is okay to uh, continue but some of this, too, needs to be in conjunction with the athletic trainer, with the physical therapist, with the doctor on the sideline to make sure that you're not injuring yourself by going back. Uh, Tiffany, what's your take on that one? You know, you've seen, uh, you've seen like, literally thousands, thousands of injuries mm -hmm. that probably could have been prevented. Right. Um, but, but what's your kind of take on this one? Somebody's in, in the game, even think about back to your college basketball days, you get injured. You might have some pressure to push through, to keep playing, but how do you be smart about it? Um, I kind of think that's when the athletic trainer can kind of take that pressure off of you. Um, if you do get injured in a game, the athletic trainers are there. We're trained to see, you know, what happened immediately. We have special tests and things like that to kind of rule out any major injury and thing like that because athletes want to get back in there. Coaches want the athletes to participate, so I think it's the role as an athletic trainer, the physical therapist, to give it a no-go or, yeah, you can go ahead. So we have a bunch of special tests to kind of rule things out um, to kind of not make the decision for you but almost push you in the right direction. I mean, yeah, we might be a little bit sore and things like that, but there are some clear ways we can discover whether it's an injury that you don't need to continue participating in. Excellent. I like how you said where, where, where there are safeguards or systems in place because, mm -hmm. as I said at the beginning, our, our, our chief complaint or clinical question, you know, part of that is 
a lot of us like to engage in the spirit of sport, the mm -hmm. spirit of competition, and, and sometimes you have to be safe from yourself. You know, uh, uh, one of my old guests that came on the show, uh, a guy named Dr. Frank Vaught, used to say, "Get to check your ego at the door." And uh, and and so, but some of us want to drive to compete, to to do something, contribute, whatever. But at the risk of, is it worth the risk of potentially exacerbating mm -hmm. or worsening the injury? And that's that's up to that's that's going to be that's a decision that nobody should take. Uh, lightly, mm -hmm. it should be a serious decision, uh, but looking out for the best interest, you got to look more long term versus short term. Not mm -hmm. a doubt. So, uh, I want to talk about this. I want to spend some time on recovery because that's something that I get asked a lot about. And I get asked a lot about these questions when I'm trying to deal with like diabetes and high blood pressure, but, but I'm here for all my patients that are out there. And like, I, I'm here to answer your questions. And even though we might be talking about a particular disease manifestation, I want to talk about what's going to help you perform better. Because again, as I said at the beginning, as you as you do better with your health and all aspects of health, because it's a very broad term, but you're able to do more and, and contribute more in life. And so I have no problem taking that extra time to talk with somebody about this kind of stuff. So recovery, uh, let's talk about it. Uh, I get asked this question quite a bit. Maybe I asked this question and the Dr. Dr. Legaspian had Tiffany uh, uh, talk about it too. Um, People always talk about recovery drinks. <laughs> I feel like that's one of the hot things. Like, Doc, Dr. G, how long? Should, when should I take my recovery drink? You know, all that kind of stuff. Do do we know anything? Do we? Is there any data that says to do it? Do we know about that kind of stuff that's published? Not that I'm aware. I mean, the, the thing is, uh, you know, if you have a healthy diet, you, you can get most of what you need to fuel your recovery from uh, choosing the right foods. It doesn't necessarily have to come some, from some sort of supplements, and it doesn't have to come from some sort of drink. And, you know, really, if you're getting the right amount of protein and carbohydrates within an hour of the activity, then you will be fueling your, your you know, your body for recovery. Excellent. What's your take on that, Tiffany? Um, I totally agree with you. I'm sure there's some research out there, but I don't know if it's been significant enough for it to be the widespread rule. Yeah. So I do think, like, if you're eating appropriately, then you're yeah. going to recover. Yeah, I always tell people this, you know, I, I, you know, especially if you're after a grueling workout or a long workout, number one, get your hydration back in, uh, you know, get your fluid consumption. It doesn't have to necessarily be a sports drink uh, or anything like that. You just, a lot of times, you can just do, get by with water and have a sensible meal. Uh, that's going to replace uh, carbohydrates. It's going to give you some protein loading to help, uh, help those muscles uh, that are just they just broke down at a microscopic, or sometimes if it's an injury at a macroscopic level. But 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 we want to get you the right nutrients, and then let the body rest. I, I think that's the thing that we don't do a lot. Is you know we might go from working out and then we get then we're engaged in our day or whatever things we got to do, and you're still moving around like that. But but I feel like we don't rest enough. Uh, I'm not, you know, I just feel like we don't do that. That's just my opinion on things, right. you know. So I think we got to do it a little bit more. But let me ask you this: um, Say somebody rests. And I'll ask this question to Tiffany. Say somebody take that rest and say, "Okay, Dr. G just said, okay, I got to, I need to rest a little bit more." Mm -hmm. uh, when can that person engage again in that activity? I guess my question is more so like, can somebody do the same activity every single day? Okay. So two things kind of fold that I always say after a workout. That's when you should be doing your static stretching. Um, and that's yes. when you should get into a really good foam roll routine. Um, just to kind of work out any sort of restrictions that happened along um, your workout and things like that. Um, it also will help your muscles recover to kind of roll everything out. Um, as far as, you know, when can you engage in activity, I think it's a really good idea to not always do the exact same activity. You're going to have a degree of soreness in your body if you're working out hard enough to actually make a change. So that's why it's good not just to do aerobic training, not just do resistance training. You need to do a variety of things. So then I do think that you can exercise every day. You just need to do something different 
every day, which is actually going to make you an overall better athlete if you have different strategies and different um, methods to your working out. Excellent. Uh, Dr. Legaspi, your take on that? Yeah, I mean, I absolutely agree with that. You know, there's, there is a huge drive. This is sort of going a little bit off topic, but there's a huge That's drive right. for sports specialization, especially in youth. Yeah. Okay. And yes. uh, I feel like I have to bring this yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, no, um, okay. you know, exactly. you know, kids, kids should be <laughs> athletes first and specialists second. Mm -hmm. If any, you know, this drive for, for kids to be a sort of specialist, you know, like a pitching, let's say, you know, kids are throwing out their shoulders and they're burning out because they're doing too much of any one thing. Um, you know, when you look at the NFL Combine, a lot of the people who go in the first draft, they were multi-sport athletes. Yep. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, to prevent burnout and for, uh, for kids to grow up, um, you know, being elite athletes, they actually need to be athletes first and then specialists second. Um, yeah, I, I totally agree because yeah. um, that's what I always am like. I always see a lot of kids that are like 10 years old. All they do is throw. All they do is pitch. But you're a better athlete if you played multiple sports. You have, you're strong and stable in different movement patterns. That's the biggest thing. You look at all these Division One and professional athletes, and the first thing they tell you is that they were a multi-sport athlete. Like, but they've trained their body to move in any kind of position in any, any direction, so they're just better athletes in general. So. You know, I would say, I would say to, to argue, I'm not arguing, I mean, I believe you, but somebody might come back and say, well, if I don't do like the same, if I'm not doing this sport all the time, then the coach is not even going to take a look at me. And, and uh, or, or, well, that's the parents saying that. That's not the kids saying that. <laughs> right, Let's yeah. be honest. That's the parents saying that. Uh -huh. uh, but, but, but um, you know, you know you, how do you respond to that kind of stuff? Uh, but but I agree with you that it's got to be multiple different things. But but say somebody were to come back and say, well, my co the coach is not going to take a look at me if I'm going to do this day in and day out. How do you respond to that kind of stuff? That's a, that's a hard question because there is there is a very big drive for for kids to be uh, sports specific, but the research just doesn't support support that. Gotcha. Um, you know, Dr. Jayanti, when he was over at uh, uh, Loyola University, did a lot of research on kids and burning out and sports specialization, and the rate of injury really does go up mm -hmm. when you when you specialize too much too fast. Well, well, I tell you what, I got the I got the statistic for you. Here we go. Um, Thirty million teenagers and children. I, I was prepared. I'm like a Boy Scout. You know, I, was from a Boy Scout. I only made it to Cub, I only made it to Cub Scouts. Uh, there it is. But thirty million teenagers. This is from the Centers for Disease Control. Thirty million teenagers and children participate in sports. This is in the country. High school athletes account for two million injuries per year. 500,000 doctor visits per year and 30,000 hospitalizations per year. More than 3.5 million kids under the age of 14 receive medical treatment for sports injuries each year. And that's just kind of a scary number. Mm -hmm. uh, and a lot of that can be prevented. So we were going to talk about that kind of stuff. I actually did do a little bit of that stuff. You can find that archive. Uh, actually, uh, we talked a little bit about it uh, a year ago, Tiffany, when you were on my show. Mm -hmm. uh, but we talked about this. I even did a show called Fall Sports Prevention last fall. You can check it out on my website, www.drmarkos.com. So let's do this, guys. Let's get into some myths versus facts, something that I love doing every week on Tear Up with Dr. G. And for myths versus facts, what I do is I say a statement, and then I have my panelists say myth or fact. We'll kind of do a boom, 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 boom. Uh, you'll say myth or fact. Give us a few statements why. Um, there uh, are right answers. And there are wrong answers. Uh, no, I'm just joking. No, no, no. Oh, this is your opinion on getting everything. But, but no, we try to bring the evidence with you. So, again, we want people to have the right tools, the right information, so they can make the right decisions on what they're doing regarding their health and their well-being. So here we go. Myths versus facts. This is the sports medicine update. Dr. Legasby, you get the first one, my friend. Here we go. I like this one. Exercise negatively impacts pregnancy. 
False. False. Explain. Yeah, very much so. I mean, you know, at, take one example: gestational diabetes. Um, you know, if you when you exercise, you increase insulin. Uh, sensitivity in the body. So for those women who are pregnant, they will actually have decreased risk or they will mitigate any problems with the gestational diabetes. But overall, they will be very healthier, uh, healthier from a cardiovascular standpoint. And it, it's good to exercise during pregnancy. Absolutely. Thank you. That was definitely a myth. Here we go. Tiffany, here we go. Here's a statement. Myth or fact. For recreational runners, running increases the risk of developing knee arthritis, osteoarthritis. <laughs> I looked at that one. <laughs> That's Let's tough see. for me. So I would think that it is a fact just because I feel like the more you're doing, yeah, the risk is there. You can still run, but there's different surfaces you can run on. If you're running on a harder surface, you're going to increase your risk of some EOA. But if you're running in the pool or you're running on the treadmill or things like that, the risk is going to not be as high as running outside on the concrete. <laughs> you know, when I, came, when I came with this statement, and it's interesting, I kind of I put myself in the gray zone on this one, too. When I came yeah. with this statement to kind of ask you guys about that, I try to think about the totality of the person. Mm -hmm. You know, what do they do outside of just recreational running on the weekend yeah. or something like that? Are they a laborer? Are they, uh, they work construction right. for 25 years and get some stuff, you know? And so, so someone, someone that say if somebody's having knee pain and you're doing things and it's making the knee pain worse, that needs to get looked up. That needs to get worked up by your clinician, by your therapist, by your specialist, um, because we want people to hopefully not go progress to the point where they're needing to take medications or get injections for their knee osteoarthritis from whatever they do. But I always like to take a look at the totality. So I always say, right. I ask that question, I say, what else does that person do in their life? And right. that's me. Here we go, Dr. Legaspi, here we go. Uh, hiring a trainer is enough to hit your performance goals. Myth. Please well, explain. Yeah, I mean, you know, hiring a trainer will get you somewhere that's for sure but you know if you're not uh, fueling your body for both uh, uh, performance and recovery then you're you're really not optimizing where you could be and so basically what i'm talking about is proper hydration and proper nutrition i agree thank you very much i agree that's definitely there's so much more involved a trainer can help with as you said there's so much more involved to hitting your performance goals and i talked a little bit earlier about the importance of sleep gotta do it here we go uh tiffany here we go mm -hmm. stretching before exercise will prevent injury Myth or fact? What's your take on that? <laughs> it depends on the type of stretching. Okay, fair enough. Yes, <laughs> we talk, we yeah, talked yeah, about yeah. dynamic <laughs> stretching versus static stretching. Static stretching, I think um, you will probably get an injury or more likely to. Dynamic, I think it's an awesome way to get your body prepped to avoid injury. And there's no doubt. Thank you very much. Here we go. Dr. Legaspi, it's okay to play through pain. <laughs> um, I would say myth. I mean, you know, it... it Obviously, it depends on the injury, but uh, if you keep going through something, you very well may make an injury worse. Yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly. Definitely, again, I cannot kind of stress the importance of that. If there's in, if there's pain going on, you know, you've got to talk about that. You know, you should be feeling that. Uh, that you know, you shouldn't be feeling that as part of your regular exercise. There's got to be something else going on, without a doubt. All right, here we go, T Tiffany. I like this. Keep going. <laughs> Eating just before bedtime makes an athlete fat. I think that's a myth. Please explain. Um, I really think that it's really calories in, calories out. Like if you're, you know, the whole thing with intermittent fasting and such of that nature, like if you just are taking in fuel, it just depends on what you're giving out also at the same time. So it doesn't matter, I don't think, as much the time of day. I know that's the big thing is only after 7 p.m., but if you haven't eaten all day, you need something to re, you know, refill your body, rehydrate your body, things like that. I don't think that's going to make you fat because you ate after right. 7. I agree, and I also I also yeah. tell some of my patients uh, uh, that are very performance-minded, performance I always say, hey, I'm, I'm okay with you having a little bit of a protein load uh, a little before you go to bed, especially as you're going to sleep, you're making growth hormone, you're restorative 
uh, restorative hormones that are made out there, reducing your cortisol levels, uh, and also knowing that, that, that sleep does help muscle growth. So I'm okay if you just work your body out and you want to have a little protein, get some amino acids in you to help refuel, uh, and that's fine. Uh, and, and those people are definitely not fat. Mm -hmm. All right, so here right. we go. Dr. Legaspi, I like this. Here we go. Resistance exercise is a far more potent way to increase muscle size and strength than any protein supplement. Uh, true. All right, actually, it's a fact. Please <laughs> yes. explain. Uh, you know, uh, protein supplements will, will only take you so far. Of course, yeah. you have to do some sort of exercise to build your muscles. So. I agree. Excellent. So here we go. Tiffany, I like this one. Mm -hmm. uh, taking anti-inflammatories before exercising will lessen the inflammation and pain. What's your take on that one? I, I have people tell me that all the time. <laughs> Doc, I'm going to take this, take this uh, Advil before I go out and hit that golf ball around. It's a preemptive strike. So I don't okay, get no you're, pain. you're setting yourself up to injure yeah. yourself. Um, <laughs> so do not take uh, anti-inflammatories. So you can just try to work through that whatever pain you're having. You need to find out if you're actually having that pain, um, or if it is an injury or things like that. Don't. I wouldn't take something just to try to push through it because then you are going to hurt yourself. Yeah, I also say that sometimes <laughs> you know um, inflammation is not necessarily a negative thing. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, say you 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 know you twist your ankle, your ankle swells up, you know, you're going to have inflammation. That's actually a good thing. And the body's going to respond. Sure. Mm -hmm. It's going um, to start this cascade of events that can help you overcome. And I don't know if I want to have maybe a response of, an of, a, of a good inflammatory response be blunted by an anti-inflammatory on board. Right. Here we go. We'll do a couple more of these ones. I like this. All right, Dr. Legaspi, the vegan diet fails to support optimal performance in athletes. <laughs> Uh, I talked about this a little bit earlier. Yeah, I was on my, I was on my, I was on my crusade a second ago. Yeah, that would be a myth. That would be a myth. You do need to be uh, careful to supplement certain amino acids because there are some amino acids that are far more prevalent in, let's say, uh, animal meats True. than they are on a plant-based diet. But it can be done. Excellent. Again, The Game Changers, a great movie, by the way, uh, talking about athletes and what they do on a plant-based approach. Here we go. A couple more of these and then we'll be done. I like this one. Um, uh, Tiffany, here we go. Glucosamine rebuilds damaged knee cartilage. Do we know the evidence on that one? I can't say that there's mm -hmm. enough research out there to show mm -hmm. that actually rebuilds it. Um, from experience, patients seem to love it, so it makes them feel better. And you know, whatever makes you feel better, I'm all for. But I don't know if there's enough out there to say that it actually rebuilds the knee cartilage. Yeah, what's your but, take on that one, Dr. Lucas? Have you yeah, seen? No. Have you seen any data out there? No, there's yeah, 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 I seen yeah there's, there's there's no evidence to support that it uh, mm -hmm. rebuilds cartilage. Um, if anything, it's it's financial harm. Okay. It's not going to hurt you, right. you know, yeah. but but you're paying to take a supplement that doesn't really show any benefit. All right, I got you on that one. I'm going to do the last bit for success myself because why not participate? I give myself, this is a lob ball for me. This is the easy one, home run. Here we go. <laughs> Eat healthy, stay active, be smoke-free, limit alcohol, and get adequate sleep to help sustain your physical performance during exercise or sports. That is a fact. Love it. So there you go, myth versus facts, guys. So we got about five minutes left. And so, really, I want to bring it on home. You know, I, you know, we've had this great discussion about sports medicine, but just the underlying theme of, well, we want people to be active. However, they want to be active, uh, and, and to the best of their ability. Because again, as we do well with just physical activity, it's just part of the broader lifestyle approaches. So, let's take it on home. Tiffany, give us a couple uh, words of wisdom or a few take-home points for people out there that are listening to us uh, to encourage. Uh, physical activity and and things like that. Okay. Um, I know one of the big points we talked about is making sure you're getting enough sleep, enough hydration. Also, if you have any sort of injury, pain, ache, things like that, we're not supposed to live in pain. So I would visit a physical therapist to do an injury screen on you before you start any sort of exercise program. Um, and then also very important as far as recovery. 
um, whether you are, again, getting enough sleep, roll yourself out, stretch, things like that, so you can prepare for the next day. Excellent. Well, thank you, Tiffany. It's been great having you on the show again. I cannot wait to collaborate again in the future. Dr. Legaspi, give us a couple a couple take-home points out there for people to be successful with today's theme of sports medicine and increased physical activity to their discretion. Sure. So, you know, if you've got a goal, usually it's a long-term goal. So you want to focus on incremental improvements to, um, to eventually hit your goal and to keep yourself motivated. Remember, no shame, no blame. Uh, wherever yes. you wherever you were before, um, you know, any any sort of forward progress is forward progress. So, you know, think about it that way instead of, instead of uh, what you, you know, you may not have uh, gone as far as you expected, but any forward progress is better than nothing. Um, don't overlook diet and nutrition, and remember to be, for these, uh, for the kids, remember to be an athlete first, and then a specialist second. Excellent. Well, thank you, Dr. Legaspi. It's been great having you on my show today. We can't wait to collaborate with you again on future topics. So my final points are this. You know, we talked a little bit about really just, just it's, it's really a, it's a mindset, you know, and I mentioned earlier, you know, you got to ask yourself the what, what are you trying to do, why you're trying to do it, and how you're going to get there. It's part of the broader journey, and we don't want to lose perspective on that one. Remember, you have things that you want to do, things that you've chosen that you want to focus on. You have your obligations in life, and you also have things that you want to do for yourself. Don't ever forget about it. As a former guest of mine said, self-care is not necessarily selfish. We want you to get to your health goals, but in order to get to those health goals, you got to be willing to put in some effort. There's no doubt about that. But if you stick with it and you stay consistent, I promise that you'll reach your health goals and your life goals too. So I want to thank my guests today, Dr. Tiffany Crutcher. Check her out, Clinic Director, ATI Physical Therapy. Check her out at www.atipt.com. My good friend, Dr. Henry Legaspi, Board Certified Physical Medicine and Rehabilitation Physician, Elmhurst Neurosciences Institute. Check him out, www.eehealth.org. You've been listening and watching live on Facebook and intellectualradio.com. This episode is written by Mark D. Gomez, MD, and Tiffany E.R. Gomez. Producer is Tiffany E.R. Gomez. Music is by the wonderful Mr. Havis. Copyright 2019 by MDG Wellness LLC. All rights reserved. Stay tuned for my next episode next week. Rheumatologic conditions made ridiculously simple. Remember, share this show. Check me out on my website, www.drmarkgomez.com. Peace out.